Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Yeah, one thing uh, is not only has he been a head coach and won Super Bowls, um, but the scheme he, he comes from. And coming from, you know, Kubiak, Shanahan, that type of scheme. Um, and when he decided to get back into coaching, uh, we were very aggressive to jump on that opportunity. I think he had maybe other options out there, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think the way he feels, you know, with the quarterback we have in place and the quarterback playing in the scheme that we're probably going to evolve to, to highlight what Kirk does best, um, was one of the attractions. And later on, we will play a game on Mackie and Judd with Rami called, is Rick Spielman full of crap or not? <laughs> or can you even figure out what Rick is really saying? Guys, I thought we were calling it what Rick didn't say. Am I oh, wrong about right. that? Okay. We, we can call, right. it, call it whatever you okay. want. Yeah. All right. Call it that too. Because that just rolls off the tongue a little bit easier than <laughs> what Rick didn't say, but he wants you to believe he said. That's today's game. Uh, we are Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North and scorenorth.com. That's S K O R North.com. And the biggest news of the day is news of Mike Zimmer's 2020 option being picked up. So he's no longer a lame duck coach going into uh, the final year of his contract. He will at least have a guaranteed year of salary in 2020. Do you guys think it's a guaranteed year of employment in 2020 for Mike Zimmer? I said on Write That Down, uh, I think the second, no, the first Write That Down we ever did. I said Gary Kubiak would be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings before the end of 2019. Now, I feel and like I stand write, that, by that. write that down predictions can sometimes be reaches. Nope. You're, okay. I said that because I meant it. I say what I mean, and I mean what I say, Phil Mackey. Um, and and I, I still believe that. And I, I, I don't think, because of the stigma that's been attached to the final year of, of a contract of an NFL head coach, and it's really across all of sports, now it's now adding that year has become more procedural and ceremonial than anything. And effectively, for the purposes of, of your job security versus your job performance, the second to last year of a contract is your lame duck sort of prove it year. If you don't have more than two years left on a contract, you're you're working for you're playing for your job. That's and that's where Mike Zimmer was 
when we all woke up this morning, and that's still where Mike Zimmer is today. I don't think adding this year gave him any other security other than, like you said, another year of guaranteed pay. I think the key thing, uh, though, from his standpoint and the team's standpoint is he now won't have to answer questions, and the team won't have to talk about it. Because if he's in the last year of his contract, you're going to be asked continually about, are you going to give him an extension? Is he in trouble? But the more that, that we uh, deconstructed that contract and the uh, the option being picked up on Purple Daily, you know, you begin to think, when does it, in what situations, does it matter if a coach has m- multiple years left on a contract? And I would say in college, it definitely does. Because you got to go recruit kids. And if the kid's like, yeah, coach, you got one year left, it's going to be very hard to say, yeah, but I'm sure I'll get more. We've seen colleges eat. So that's a little bit of an overrated premise, though, right? Because coaches sign contracts and then leave. Right, or... but it's but it's important there. In in the case of of pro coaches, though, think about it. If I come to the Vikings, and I'm talking about a three-year free agent, multi-million dollar contract, and I know Zim's got w- one year left, and I might like Zim, okay? But you're going to pay me the most. I'm not going to say, you know, Rick, I really appreciate this, but if Mike doesn't get an extension, I'm not signing here. And and in the case of Molly with the Twins, did we not see the prime example there of, okay, you had a great year, congratulations, here's a three-year contract, bang, you're fired. So the more that we talked about this, I really began to think, Ronnie's exactly right. It doesn't matter. It's all perception, and it's all probably about trying to uh, lessen potential distractions. But as far as does this mean employment, absolutely not. And I'll give you, sorry to interrupt here, Phil, but I'll give you two examples right here in the division recently where we saw this exact thing happen and a head coach looking for a job a year later, if not sooner, John Fox with the Bears, he got that option picked up and was fired not long thereafter. And then Mike McCarthy just last year had his option picked up and he was looking for employment in week 12. So that's that's how much picking up that option means in terms of a guy's job security. Sure, and I, I agree with you guys. I I, 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 let me frame another question up, and I'll take I'll take a stab at this because Judd and I have had some arguments about how great of a coach Mike Zimmer is or how good of a coach he is. Why is it that Mike Zimmer is on any kind of a hot seat? Because I look at Mike Zimmer and I see a guy who, well, first of all, there's only one Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, right. if Bill Belichick is the holy grail of coach hires, so if you're if you're hiring and firing or judging based on Bill Belichick as a barometer, it's your not, premise is flawed. Right. It's a, it's not a fair bar to set. Right. There's no. only there's the only pa- one Bill the Belichick. The Patriots are not the comp. No, they're exactly. I, it's yes. the greatest take franchise. Off, take them off the table. I so you this. so if you if because yes. you could sit there all day and say, well, we got to compete with the Patriots. So let's you get three years to prove your Belichick, and then you're fired. But let's let's not do that. That's foolish. So of all the non-Bill Belichick coaches. Among coaches with at least three years' experience, and I, I know I'm taking Sean McVay off the board unfairly, so you could put Sean McVay in here, because I think Sean McVay is pretty well established as a really, really good coach after two years. But among coaches with at least three years' experience, only Doug Peterson, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, and Andy Reid have better winning percentages than Mike Zimmer. So that alone, if you just took that alone, and obviously put Bill Belichick on that list too, if you said, hey, just winning percentage flat out, it's been five years for Mike Zimmer. Here's the company that he belongs in. Or here is like the, these guys are the only ones above him. Based on that alone, would you say hot seat or no? You, I think you would instantly say, 
no, why would why would you ever think about removing Mike Zimmer as coach or not giving him an extra year on his contract? The answer to your question is because when expectations have been high, the the Vikings with Mike as coach have not met them. That's why. Okay, but is is that a fair enough critique? I, okay, expectations are high. Like we want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl, right? And they haven't. Mm-hmm. We want them to go to a Super Bowl, and they haven't. And to me, I need more evidence or more before I'm ready to say, all right, on to the next. I need to know what's behind door number two. Because if I'm if I'm saying, okay, Mike Zimmer's not Bill Belichick, and maybe he's not Sean Payton, and he still has some work to do to become Andy Reid, who's been doing this for 20 years at a high level, also doesn't have a Super Bowl. Right. doesn't mean I'm going to give up a guy in that second tier for something unknown and anonymous behind door number two. And I get what you're saying, but there are, there are things that, because we're, we're not talking about him automatically being fired here, but we are talking about meeting expectations that they didn't meet uh, in 2000, I believe it was 16 coming off 15, and in 18 coming off 17. And I do think that there is, there have been some areas of question when, when it comes to things like Norv Turner, DeFilippo, uh, the issues in Green Bay late in, what was that, the 2016 season? So I, I think that's why. And that does not mean he's going to be fired. But I do think that th- those things turn up the pressure. I also think that's why it's smart to bring in Kubiak now to basically say, Mike, we've seen we've seen the potential weakness here. When you need to get involved in offense, it doesn't work. Defensively, you are very good. Sure. I, I, you, you can say what, what you want about them not uh, succeeding in big games, blah, 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 but defensively, this is a very good team. But I think that there are question marks that certainly cause you to pause at times and say that there's a reason why the pressure increases. That does not mean he's fired. So the the biggest question, I'm not saying he's perfect, but you could nitpick a lot of these guys. Okay, Sean Payton had Sean Payton oversaw the worst defense in the NFL for three years and basically helped waste three years of Drew Brees' prime. And then they kind of fixed it. They came back. So all these guys, besides Bill Belichick, you could point out flaws in. I think the biggest flaw for Mike Zimmer is the fact that he hasn't had the same quarterbacks as some of these other coaches. So the list of coaches I gave you guys, and let's put Bill Belichick back on it for a second, quarterbacks named Russell Wilson, named Ben Roethlisberger, named Drew Brees, Tom Brady, are linked and handcuffed to these coaches. Pat Mahomes with Andy Reid, right? And even Alex Smith, but Pat Mahomes, it helps to have this generationally great quarterback. So Mike Zimmer with four different starting quarterbacks in five years, None of them considered to be top 10 quarterbacks, unless you think Kirk Cousins or Sam Bradford or Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum are top 10 quarterbacks. I think all those guys are considered more league average type quarterbacks, right? He's got two division championships in a division with Aaron Rodgers in those five years and three consecutive years, the last three years, with top five yardage defenses. I I honestly think if you were to take what Mike Zimmer has done the last five years and say, all right. Everything's the same, except instead of Sam Bradford or instead of second-year Teddy Bridgewater or instead of Kirk Cousins, you get Drew Brees. We'd be talking about maybe multiple Super Bowl trips in this case, and we certainly wouldn't be debating whether or not they should add a year to his contract. Those right? are great numbers, a very strong resume, and 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 an even better hypothetical that you lay out there, Phil. But- Thank you. We'll go to break yeah. now. <laughs>
I appreciate that, everybody. Did you say yes. hypothetical? Yeah. Yes. Appreciate but that. That doesn't exist in a vacuum. And and I do think that the, the money that you just shelled out to Kirk Cousins plays a part in this in terms of the urgency that the franchise feels. And the, the job security of Rick Spielman plays into this and, 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 and the decision as to whether or not you keep Mike Zimmer throughout the rest of this season. When you signed Kirk Cousins, you pushed all your chips to the center of the table saying, we're going to win a Super Bowl in the next three years. This is going to, this is, and it's, it's, it's do or die in the next three years with Kirk Cousins because you spent that type of money on one guy. And then you look at Rick Spielman and he's looking at, at the, at potentially, sitting on the hot seat himself, and if I'm Rick Spielman and we're 10 games into the season and my playoff hopes are hanging by a thread and and the feeling in the locker room isn't great and it's not brimming with confidence, maybe I pull the trigger and put Gary Kubiak in there in hopes that we salvage this season, make the playoffs, and I get another year as the GM of the Minnesota Vikings. You're just angling for a write-that-down prediction to be correct, really. This is propaganda by Robbie Makoff. Well, I I think to to your (laughs) point... I think to Rami's point, though, what's important here is if Cousins doesn't work, everybody's gone. I don't think Rick survives. I don't think Mike get, gets through this thing. Is that when fair? Go, like they, no, but but by its nature, it's not. Sports is not fair. Or, I mean, or, or put, uh, fair is the wrong question. Is not fair. You're right. So fair is the wrong question. Is that like is that is that should, a wise should, way to operate? Right. Should is that, that be a asking? thing? Like, all right, we're in a spot when, where everything's ready to click, and this is the best quarterback on the market, you know and let's make a you run. Know what this is. This is an example of how damn hard it is to find a quarterback and how much pressure and panic teams are to do it. Yeah. So that, that's because Kirk Cousins, is, is it fair? Is it wise to pay him what they're paying him? Guaranteed? Absolutely not. We've seen a year of that guy. And you know what? He, I don't think he's terrible, but you would not go back right now and say, same contract, not in a million years. I think what what this is is this is exhibit A of how difficult it is to find a, a competent to very good player at this at this spot and it is the most probably difficult position to identify and find a success story in sports. Yeah. I mean if if they didn't make the playoffs two straight years and with with him having that quarterback for two years like you said it's hard for a coach to win without having a, a the same quarterback and some sort of consistency at that yeah. position and quality consistency at that position. To me, not making the playoffs for two years with the quarterback you just spent nearly $30 million a year on, I'd have to wonder if you're the head coach to take us where we're trying to go, wouldn't you? I would wonder more about Rick Spielman in that instance than Mike Zimmer if they also tacked on a top-five yardage defense again and it was just decided that, yeah, took a flyer on a quarterback that... Eh, his numbers were more fantasy numbers, and it didn't really work. I mean, let's put it this way. Let's say they don't make the playoffs, but it's not a 4-12 and season. The Vikings pretty rarely have those 4-12, and 3-13-type seasons. It's always They're always knocking on the door, even if they're not a playoff team. Let's say they go 8-8, eight and eight, and they miss the playoffs, and it's still a damn good defense. It's the, it's the fifth-best defense in the NFL, and it's just kind of more of the same from Kirk Cousins. You're not terrible... But you're not beating teams in prime time. You're not winning big games. Am I insta looking to fire Mike Zimmer for that? I would need to know that. You know, and again, he's not Andy Reid because Andy Reid's been doing it for 20 years. But if I'm going to fire Andy Reid and say, "Well, hey man, you're not doing enough in the postseason for us," 
I would need to know that it's Doug Peterson that's replacing him. Okay. And not just like, well, let's lick our finger and stick it in the wind and try and find somebody. Let's say you're right. Let's say 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs, defense is good. Do you fire Rick and not Mike? Do you get a I don't new think GM someone and, has to be fired if that happens. But we do that so much in sports. Well, well but it, but it, it's because not, it's because it happens. Yeah, a lot. I was going to say it's not that we do it. That's it's the norm. That's that's the nature of the business. And, and by the way, well, but I'm saying if if it's me and I get the option, if I'm Ziggy Wolf, am yeah. I insta firing people if they don't make the playoffs? Just because you got to you know fire what? someone. You know what? I think if I paid Cousins that much and it doesn't work in two years, I think I might be. I yeah. Might. I just paid a guy. I I just broke the bank and gave a guy a guaranteed contract in a league where this doesn't happen. I think someone's going to pay, but it might not be Mike. Well, there's, there's a difference that, between someone is going to pay and if you were in that seat, you would well, make someone pay. Here's what, I agree with you. Guys. Someone's getting fired if they don't make the play. Here's my I'm not naive. here's my question, and and th- this is going to be damn near impossible to find out, but I'd love to know this. The Vikings' biggest free agent acquisition for the uh, 2019 offseason will not be a player. It's Kubiak. I bet you Kubiak broke the bank. I bet you they're paying him a lot of money. A lot. Because there's no salary cap there. And basically what, what they're trying to do is say, okay, if we can't get Mike Shanahan to coach Cousins, who is as close to Mike as possible, and it, it's Kubiak. So... If this doesn't work offensively and you don't get where you want to go and you're paying all these people, including the quarterback and, and the and the assistant head coach offense that much, at some point in time, if you're the Welfs, I think you say, gentlemen, what's happened here? Yeah, but I, I think just like my general stance here is we get the fire everyone train rolling in sports and it, it just becomes, it, I think we should take a step back and say, Mike Zimmer's been a damn good coach. Mm-hmm. He's not Bill Belichick, but you shouldn't fire someone because because they're not Bill Belichick. You know who he also isn't? Joe Philbin. Okay, you could be stuck with <laughs> like like there's ten. He's not Doug Marone. But teams don't think like that. They should. Like, I get your point, but they don't think like yeah, that. That's teams... what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not advocating for the firing of Mike Zimmer or anybody else if just because they don't make the playoffs. I'd have to see how the season played out to evaluate Mike Zimmer and tell you if he should have his job after the 2019 sure. season. In my opinion, I'm just saying based on the way that NFL teams tend to operate. I don't think he will have his job if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and I don't think he'll last throughout the season if we get to Week 8 or Week 10 and this thing is not going the way that, that Ziggy Wilf and, and Rick Spielman were hoping that it would go. I have one more Mike Zimmer thought experiment real quick for you guys. Okay. okay? So there were eight new head coaches hired by new teams mm-hmm. uh, this, this past Black Friday or Black Monday period. So Cliff Kingsbury, Zach Taylor, Freddie Kitchens, uh, Vic, some great names. Vic Fangio just sounds football, right? <laughs> and yeah. defense coming yeah, from just, Chicago. Just, just mustache. And does he have a mustache? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Like he should. He should though. Yeah, he should have a mustache. He sounds like a Bears guy. Yeah. He does. He does. He's he's, on, he's an SNL Football! Yeah. <laughs> football! Yeah, so uh, Matt Lafleur, Brian Flores, uh, Adam Gaze, Bruce Arians—is there anyone in that group? Include Bruce Arians is established. Is there anyone in that group that you would put ahead of Mike Zimmer and say, "Yep, that that's a definitively better coach than Mike Zimmer"? 
No, uh, maybe Bruce Arians, but no, I mean none of the rest of those guys have the track record for me to to, to go out yeah. and say that. I think if Mike gets fired, though, I I don't think it's a result necessarily of Mike being Mike. I think if Mike gets fired, it's probably a, a strategic shift from defense. We we hired for defense, and it, the league has gone completely to the opposite side of the ball. So I don't know that it would be a personality fire as much as it would be a philosophical fire, okay. right? Well, let me Matt, so let me, Matt Lafleur, prime example. I mean, he's got experience. What the OC in Tennessee for one year, mm-hmm. but now they think he, he can work with, with Sean McVay before that. Though, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, they had lunch one time. Yeah. Actually, right. is what yeah. it was. That's McDonald's, right. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the, the just I I don't know if I would put Arians definitively above Zimmer. They're both kind of in a similar category. Um, so that's eight coaches. Kyle Shanahan, jury still out. He's a hot name. Uh. Pat Shermer, jury still out. Let me know if you'd put any of these guys above Mike Zimmer. I might okay? take Shanahan. I, I could on, be talking to that. Just based on what I've seen him do with a couple of quarterbacks. Shermer, yeah. no way, because I don't think that he should be. What about coaching. current John Gruden? I've, I'm taking Mike Zimmer over current John Gruden. Mm. The press conferences would be yeah, epic, though. We'd have some fun with that. Well, in terms of that, I'll take John Gruden. <laughs> right. 100%. But in terms of, do you want to win football games in 2019? Mike Zimmer, Yeah, John no, Gruden. it's not. A, it's yeah, Mike Zimmer, right? I'll, All right? That's fine. All right, Matt Patricia, pretty easy, right? Show some uh, respect. Sean McDermott with the Bills. <laughs> Show some damn respect, would you? Doug Marone. Uh, no, no. Mike Vrabel, Tennessee. <laughs> I like Vrabel. I like Mike Vrabel. Dan Quinn. I mean, like no. the, my point here is he's one of the 10 best head coaches in the NFL. Unless there's guys on their couches you think are like, well, right. why is that guy on his – is Bill Parcells coming back? He's one of the 10 best head coaches in the world. And you're speaking logically, but I don't know teams think <laughs> yeah, that way. I mean, that's the problem. That's what and, we're saying and no, and no team says there, but for the grace of God, go us, and we're going to hire the next Matt Patricia. They're like trying to go raid the Patriots because they think that they can. Look at all the teams. If you want an example of this league and the mind-bleeped-up nature of this league, look at how many teams have taken swings at the Patriots staff. Like, that's the guy from the Patriots staff. Right. Like, and we, we've gone through the list before. Yeah. It's embarrassingly bad. How many times do you have to have your hand lit on fire holding it over a stove? Top, you know, right? No, Matt Patricia, he's going to work. What if Matt Patricia is just like, what if we overreacted to his first year and it's he's a mad scientist? He's just molding they a bad were franchise. He's outside before <laughs> indoor games. I know. But you know what? Matt Patricia <laughs> is constantly in my head lecturing me about my posture. Now that I'm on camera, it's and by the way, Purple Daily today, Purple Daily, you were great. I know, I'm working on. Were you it. sitting up at attention? I'm telling you, yes. He was sucking in the belly, shoulders yeah. back. It's it's a, it, and you're wearing black. Yep, dark colors. Thinning. Yep, dude. I I have to apologize to you. <laughs> I made fun of you for being an old man who cooks roasts, and then. <laughs> He sent, oh. he sent the photo of his yeah. dinner out last night. The guy didn't retweet it. You didn't tell us that there was like bacon wrapped around it. No, it's not bacon. Do you want me to tell you everything that's in this thing? So it's called. Where'd the, you get uh, it? First of all, it's it's from a a butcher back in uh, Waukesha, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. Um, it's called Robert Specialty Meats. I used to do endorsements for them when I lived down there. Do they just mail you stuff? Or? Uh, no, I I stocked up before I moved. And- <laughs> <laughs> filled up my freezer with all these crazy things. How do you stay thin? <laughs> like I saw that. That how how does he not weigh three fifty? Well, there weren't many carbs on that plate. It was like green beans. And I had some green meats. beans and some uh, Parmesan roasted potatoes. Okay, th- but, that's car- uh, that, those are okay. carbs. That sounds amazing. And it looked delicious. <laughs> it did. Tell us more. No, right. it's called an Al Capone roast, and it's uh, <laughs> it's pork tenderloin. You don't pay taxes on it. Beef. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that was low-hanging fruit. <laughs> There's a much worse place you could have gone with that, too. So that's probably true. Uh, <laughs> but it's got uh, pork tenderloin, beef tenderloin, Italian sausage, uh, Genoa salami, pepperoni, Genoa ham, mozzarella, and a whole bunch of different herbs and seasonings okay. that go into it. I'll restate well. my question. How do you not weigh 315 right now? I don't know if you guys noticed it. I was watching him say it, and it's not like he was reading anything. That no, was all from memory. That was memory. all off the dome, yeah. Wow. I know. It, it, I did the reads for a long time, Jonathan. It's amazing where some people will go for the, for, <laughs> for the bank. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's in there. <laughs> we are Mackie and Judd with Rami, and we're getting a bunch of uh, comments on our live Twitch stream right now, twitch.tv slash score north, if you're hanging out with us live. And, yeah, fire away in the comment section, and we'll definitely mix in some of your comments on the live Twitch stream. You can also call us at 651-646-8255. Uh, it is an In Other News Wednesday on the show. I asked these guys if they wanted to just do in other news as every our show day. every day. <laughs> every day. And we like we might it's one of my favorite news segments. And then later on we'll play out what what Rick or what didn't Rick say? A rousing game of that on uh, the all new Scnorth. But let's talk first about the TCL TV, this glorious fifty five inch TCL four K Roku TV that's in our studio. We actually have two of them now, too. There's one over Rami's head. I think it's gonna be functional sometime before the week is over. But um, you get access to five thousand plus hit streaming my head channels on it twice. That thing, yeah. Either that thing or my head is going to be damaged very soon. Well, Judd will be happy. The one, the small TV over Judd's head that is not a TCL is it going away? It's going away. Yes. And so I think many people have split their head open on the bottom edges of this TV over here. But um, you don't have to worry about splitting your head open on a TCL TV. Just mount it on your wall in a safe spot, hopefully. And get access to 450,000 plus movies and TV show episodes. It is the most entertainment of any TV on the market because you've got all of those streaming channels lined up. And the menu, you can toggle back and forth. It's very easy to go back and forth with one click of the button between your cable slash satellite channels and your streaming channels. Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios. Myron on Hoops with Myron Metcalf. I can tell you about a player as a rookie. Thought he was the toughest guy in the room. The resident tough guy said, you haven't proven anything. And that locker room cleared out. And man to man, they went at it. And that this rookie got his tail whooped. Now, those two are inseparable. I think Jimmy was trying to bring some of that out of Carl Towns to convince Andrew Wiggins, like, dude, you got to do something to respond with all these people saying, you're soft and don't deserve that money. You proved those people wrong. Myron on Hoops. Score North. And on Score scorenorth.com Thank you Jonathan Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North scorenorth.com that's S-K-O-R north.com where here's a plug so the NFL Combine is uh, happening this week and even though Matthew Collar had crazy terrible travel conflicts <laughs> where they like cancelled his flight at midnight that was supposed to leave at 6pm and so he didn't make it to the Combine but Sage Rosenfels did for Score North and if you aren't already subscribed to the Score North Vikings shows podcast feed, he's been pumping out interviews with Tom Pelissero, Alex Marvez, the uh, was it the, the Houston Texans play by play guy on mm-hmm. Gary Kubiak. So Sage Rosenfels is doing all kinds of podcast work, and we're going to run some of those at six o'clock here on Score North for the live audience as well. But uh, yeah, he's down there like doing his reporter thing. It's Sage Rosenfels into his phone and recording podcasts. <laughs> he's been awesome. It's great. It's He's been absolutely awesome for us. It's uh, it's awesome to see. So if uh, if you're interested in uh, Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, or Sage Rosenfels at the Combine, 
anywhere you find podcasts, you can just search Score North Vikings shows, and they're all in one easy to subscribe to feed. We are uh, we're live on Twitch right now, twitch.tv slash score north and Grimmel95 on our last Mike Zimmer conversation last segment. He says those top quarterbacks you guys mention all the time also have some of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Is Cousins a top flight quarterback? No, but you can't tell me Breezer Brady put up the numbers or championships behind the old line the Vikings have trotted out over the last couple of years. So I think there's a misnomer in there. Yes, it's nice to have it's nice to have a Hall of Fame left tackle or a Hall of Fame center or whatever it may be. But Peyton Manning, for instance, all right, he played in the NFL for 17 years. And after his first five seasons, so when he got out of rookie mode, his last decade in the NFL, he was sacked no more than 21 times in a season and frequently would only be sacked like 10 or 12 times in a season, okay? And yes, Jeff Saturday was a wonderful starting center for him. But you're telling me for a decade, the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos just had five blocks of granite up front? Or are quarterbacks also elevating offensive lines by getting rid of the ball, understanding protections, etc.? If I'm not mistaken, Peyton Manning's left tackle uh, with the Colts in 2000, circa 2005, 6, somewhere around there, was a guy named... Was it Charles Johnson? The dude who came to the Vikings? The dude, the dude who came yeah. here and, and was going to play left guard here, or play guard here, until McKinney came to camp with uh, super, super fat and and a dangerous cholesterol level, and they had to cut him, basically, because they were afraid he might die, which is a bad thing. And so Charles Johnson got plugged in at left tackle, and I covered those teams, and I saw him play that position, and it was scary. He was incompetent. But Manning got rid, got rid of the ball so quick, it didn't matter. And I would not say, gents, that the Patriots' offensive line is great on a yearly basis. I mean, there's been a lot of change there, and they let guys go. And coaching-wise, that's why I think this all comes back now to Kubiak essentially being head coach offense. This is going to be about now the scheme and system. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it, is, um, it is certainly... Overstating the fact to say that these guys have always consistently had great lines. They might be competent. They might be good at times. They are certainly not always great. And Judd just touched on it right there. As much as quarterbacks can elevate an offensive line, coaches and schemes can elevate an offensive line. And Peyton Manning was essentially his own offensive coordinator after a year or two in Indianapolis. So you can give him a lot of the credit for how quickly they got that ball out. But and I'm asking this genuinely because I wasn't here, I wasn't watching every single snap of Vikings football this past year, was it the game plan to get the ball out quickly and Kirk Cousins just wasn't following the game plan because that was a criticism of Aaron Rodgers, that he would hang on to the ball too long and put his offensive linemen in bad positions, in bad spots sometimes, and ask him to protect him for longer than it's realistic to ask an offensive lineman to protect a quarterback. Was Kirk Cousins... Was he prone to those same bad habits, or was think, he supposed to get the ball out quickly? So the Vikings have had some very questionable offensive lines for pretty much the entirety of Mike Zimmer's tenure here. Is that fair to say, Judd? That like none of the five years have you said, yeah, that's a that's a bunch of horses up yeah, front. 2016, 18, especially bad. But it was play calling was a lot worse when Norv Turner was the offensive coordinator because he would have these long developing seven step routes. Yeah, there was a game on Thursday night against the Cardinals and Teddy Bridgewater with no timeouts and 
the Vikings are driving, trying to get to field goal range, and the clock's winding down like 15-14, and they got to get something out of bounds because they have no timeouts. And Teddy drops back, a 500-step drop back, like Tecmo <laughs> Super Bowl, gets, gets strip-sacked, and the game ends, et cetera. Um, and after the game, that's that's kind of when things reached a boiling point between Mike Zimmer and and North Turner. That why are you calling a long developing play where you're waiting for a guy on the left side of the line or on the left side of the uh, formation to run all the way across the field to his right and et cetera? So I I don't think like John I don't think play calling and John D. Filippo was not a good play caller, but I don't think long developing. Uh, routes and and things of that nature were like the downfall of Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins, there's a lot of things about Kirk Cousins that if if he were Drew Brees or if he were Peyton Manning, we wouldn't be complaining as much about the Vikings offensive line course, right. because he would make them look better by just being a better quarterback. But That's, they're not good. The offensive line no, is not, not good. No, right? but no, but this but this going forward conversation revolves around the, the fact of can you improve the line? Yes. And the personnel? Yes. But can you also get a scheme that's smart? Cousins and, and this, this to me, if you're going to defend Cousins, this is the, the defense in my mind. Cousins was signed to a contract and installed as, as a top QB because of what he was paid, as opposed to saying, okay, we signed the best guy possible in our minds, but we still need to design this around him. And we need to put him consistently in a position to succeed because he's nowhere near a top five guy. So we're overpaying. We're taking a chance on the fact that we think that this was the best guy available. But we need a football guy who looks at this and says, okay, what can I do to make this guy good? Right. And and instead, and we've seen a ton of coaches do this, instead, the offensive coordinator came in and said, this is my system. Yeah. I think, think, and and I see... uh, I see the reply on our Twitch stream from uh, Grimmel. So do Brees and Brady put up the same or better numbers in championships behind the current offensive line the Vikings have? And I would say there's a better chance that Drew Brees or Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl with the Vikings offensive line than Kirk Cousins winning a Super Bowl because he drafted a left guard. Like My, my point is we put full emphasis on, well, it's not the quarterback's fault. Well, the offensive line's terrible. And keep in mind, too, both, both of those guys have, have the cachet, though, to go in and say, this system doesn't yeah. work. Well, okay, remember that play. Cousins didn't. The Case Keenum interception against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, where it's a pick six, and it was just like the Vikings got up seven to nothing, and it, they've got the feel-good momentum, and, and Case Keenum gets hit as he throws, ball flutters out of it, so he, he goes to throw, uh, arm gets hit as he's throwing the ball forward, and so the ball kind of fluttered in the air, and it gets picked off. And the instant reaction was, well, I mean, that's not Case Keenum's fault. His arm got knocked, right? Mm-hmm. How many times, Rami, in watching Aaron Rodgers, you you just came from 12 years in Milwaukee. You watched the Packers the last decade. Yep. I won't bring up your Bears quarterbacks because this happens all the time. Please don't do that. How to many me. times in 12 years has Aaron Rodgers had, oh, my God, his arm got hit and the ball fluttered out? He doesn't make the throw. Yeah. He just doesn't make the throw. And he's extra cautious because, I and this is pure speculation on my part, but... It always seemed to me Rodgers wanted to be the anti-Favre. So there are times where I feel like he's maybe too cautious, and I think this might be a problem with Kirk Cousins, too. Rodgers doesn't want the interceptions on his resume. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be Brett Favre 
2.0 in that respect. And I think that was a big motivating factor for him and his decision-making early on in his career, and that's one of the things that stuck with him. I think Kirk Cousins is very much the same way. We've talked about how meticulous the guy is to the point where he plans out his day on an Excel spreadsheet 10 minutes at a time every day. So I I think that perfectionist element of him probably goes out there on the field and he goes, I don't want to make that mistake. Let me hang on to this football and see if the next guy will get open. Yeah. And the, the dangerous thing with that conversation, too, is the fact that Cousins considers himself mentally a- among the best, right? Mm-hmm. So he sees himself top five. So a coach has to be very careful, but a coach has to say, okay, you, it's great that, that you perceive your, your career or your play this way, but what can I do privately to come to you with a plan that I know is going to work. Like, cause, cause Di probably came to Kirk with these ideas and Kirk's like, of course I can do that. Well, he can't. And you can't say, Kirk, you can't do those things. Right. And so what can you do to bring him a structure within the personnel that he has and the talents that he has to make him as successful as possible? Because to ask him to bite off being a top five guy is going to flame out instantly almost. Yeah. So uh, that was a good question that sparked uh, another segment of of discussion for us. So we're Johnson left tackle yeah. for Peyton Manning. He was a disaster. <laughs> right. Nice yeah. enough guy. And Manning got sacked fifteen times that year. Just didn't with get his sacked. Blindside tackle was a disaster. Yeah, right. Just didn't get sacked. Uh, Mackie and up with Rami, and I think we might get a Rami rant. Is it rant level? Major League Baseball rule changes? Quite possibly. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here. A lot here, of changes on it's the not, sheet. It's not going to happen. Whatever they're trying to accomplish, they will not accomplish with these changes that they are considering. All right. We'll, uh, we'll come back. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm, I'm the Rami of that. There's Judd and uh, Phil Mackey over there. Uh, Major League Baseball has been talking about some rules changes throughout the offseason, guys. And... Uh, now have sort of caved in to some of the demands, or it seems they've caved into some of the demands of the players union and have decided not to implement the pitch clock until 2022, which I, uh, I, I don't know about you guys. The pitch clock is actually one of the few rules changes I was in favor of. I'm, I, I would enjoy, I would like for baseball to have a pitch clock and move things along just a little bit quicker in between and, pitches. And now this is all part of a a ploy basically by yes. them though to agree to push back the idea for the pitch clock in lieu of This is them saying, "Okay, we won't do the pitch clock, but in exchange we want to implement a few things, including <laughs> This is great. Work a three, a three batter minimum rule for pitchers and roster changes in 2020." Now, some of the stuff that they pitched, I'm good with, I'm all for. They uh, proposed, at the suggestion of the Players Union, a trade deadline, and a single trade deadline at July 31st. No more of these waiver trades. I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. Uh, they, they also have talked about expanding the rosters by one player to 26, with a maximum of 13 pitchers, yeah. according to sources. They're talking about uh, limiting mound visits. Cool. Great. Love, but they, they, totally fine with that. We did this last year. I love year. they knew this was a problem. The mound visits thing has, has been, was it two years ago? Uh, I thought it was last year was the first year, but they're but they're they would bring them down even more in consecutive years, right? Yes. So they're trying to how about make it zero? Fewer. Why is it in a sport yes. that I love in which you take a break eighteen times? Well, seventeen, right? You get to talk with your dugout, with your pitching coach, with your hitting coach as often as 
any sport in America, if not 10 times more, right? Because in the NFL, you get between quarters. I guess you get when you're on the sidelines and stuff. But in baseball, figure it out on the fly. If, oh, well, we're getting crossed up with signals. Tough luck. You don't get to walk out there. Have a hand signal or something. Or literally show him what pitch you get. Figure it out. The one I don't get that they don't switch to right now is when you make a pitching change, and if if they put in this rule or not, but any pitching change, there is no need for anyone to go to the mound. Agreed. Like you, the Thank manager, you. like ne- waiting for the manager yeah, to I mean, saunter out to yes. the mound, and then the like, pitcher does, has to awkwardly stand there and hold the ball, looking dejected. Why does a guy like, like me have to stumble out there, hung over <laughs> from the night before? I mean, you signal to. See, or forget that. You call the bullpen. I'm all for stuff like what you guys are talking about. That doesn't change the strategy of the game. That shaves off a few minutes yeah. here okay. and a few minutes there. Another thing that they proposed was having the right in 2019 to shorten commercial breaks in between innings from 2 minutes 5 seconds to a minute 55 seconds. So 30 seconds, 18 breaks, when you consider a break in between every half inning, you just shave nine minutes off. Good take, with that. Take away the, 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 the manager sauntering to the mound for, for pitching changes, you probably just shaved another four yeah. to six minutes off over well, the course can, of a baseball game. I'm still stuck on this manager walking to the mound thing. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing. Can you imagine, because substitutions happen in all sports. Yeah. Can you imagine if, all right, uh, we're going to go from uh, we're going to go from our base defense to the nickel, and so I I need Andy Reid to walk his ass fifty <laughs> yards down the field in to tell ju- the linebacker he's coming off the field with a helmet on, like in baseball where you've got to be in team you've got to be in team gear. No, Ryan Saunders in full Wolves yes. uniform walks out to half court, and go, Carl Anthony Towns Wiggins has to out? hand him the ball right. before he walks off to the bench. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Great Tom, job, Tom, Tom Thibodeau in a full basketball uniform. Walking out to tell Gorgie Jang, I need that ball from you. Sorry, buddy. In Nike. So stupid. So, so far, so far, I'm good with most of what they're talking about here. Um, they've also talked about avoiding roster manipulation by switching the injured list for pitchers from 10 to 15 days and doing the same for uh, days that they spend in the minor leagues. They're going to experiment. This I hate. They want to experiment with the runner on second base to start tenth in, the 10th inning with a runner yeah. on second base. They want to use that uh, should it arise in the All-Star game and uh, spring training games, and spring training games would end uh, in a tie after 10 innings. But the thing, that, the thing that I hate uh, that, that they proposed and that they're asking for from the players is this, this, this rule t- that they want to implement that a relief pitcher has to face three batters. This... In a small picture way, completely changes the strategy of an individual game. When you know you're looking at lefty righty lefty in a lineup, and now I got to decide: okay, do I want a lefty pitcher to face a righty, or do I want a righty pitcher to face a lefty? And a manager shouldn't be forced to make that decision. You have as many arms as you have at your disposal. Use them at your will. And if you run out, then you run out, and then you have to pitch whoever you have to pitch. They also want to minimize using position players. Uh, as pitchers to to avoid the roster manipulation that teams are using that way. But in the big picture, what if what if you're a team? And I think the Twins are one of these teams. I think the Brewers are one of these teams that operated your whole off season with the idea that a major factor in your success would be the bullpenning strategy. You you've operated an entire off season and built your franchise and your roster with that strategy in mind. And now they're just going to throw at you 
No, that you're not allowed to do that anymore. And now you have to change the entire way that you've built your pitching staff, that you've operated your organization, all the way down to how you evaluate players when you're scouting. It, it's. I don't think people realize how damaging a, a rule change that seems so simple on its surface, how damaging that can be to, to the game of baseball and to some franchises who've been operating under the premise that we don't have to go out and spend money on an ace pitcher because we'll just hammer you with our bullpen. Well, it's a it's a fair point, and I think there's almost two points that you brought up, and I agree for sure with one of them, which is if you're going to spring this on teams, it's wrong. You can't. This has to be something, if you're going to go with a three-batter minimum, it has to be something that you give organizations two, three years notice on so that they can start to build their roster in a strategic way because there's a lot of teams that have two or three lefty specialists that they went out, they paid money right. for, they cultivated. And if on the eve of the regular season you say, oh, those lefty specialists have to face three batters when they come in, mm-hmm. and teams can then say, all right, cool, we're never going to put lefties within range of each other. So if they if either rendering an opposing team's bullpen useless with three spots or that guy comes in and has to face two right-handed hitters in addition to the lefty. So you have to give organizations a couple years runway to be able to mold their rosters. But to the other question, which is, if you did give that runway and you did want to eliminate some of these ridiculous patterns, the Terry Francona, here's one pitcher, another pitcher, like literally four in a row in one inning in an, in a six-run game, which we've seen Indians versus Twins, um, I would look for different ways to cut down on pitching changes by maybe reducing the number of pitchers that you could have on your roster. Because if, let's say, you could only have seven pitchers on your roster or six pitchers on your roster, now you got to get creative. Now you have to leave a pitcher out for an inning or two innings uh, beyond the one batter he might face because you just don't have enough pitchers. So, well, when I say six pitchers, I mean six relievers. Because a lot of teams are going with the five starters and up to eight relievers, which is a 13-man staff. I think there's different ways to go about it. I would worry, too, about, okay, if I'm in a tough spot late in the season, I'm just going to fake an injury to get out of the game so you can bring a righty in. And where do you draw right. those lines? Yeah. How do you how do you determine if a guy, oh, man, it looks like I can't face three batters. My arm is dead. Okay, are, now you have to go on the disabled list? That's or, what they have like, to what? do, yeah. I mean, that's a they, can of worms. They have to do that. And it, it sounds like the rules that they're proposing now to put in if they uh, put the pitch clock back to 2022 would be 2020. I'd be willing to discuss it. I don't hate it. Because you, you could very easily say that if you have a guy who comes out of a game during the course of that game because he's, he's quote, hurt, that he's got to go on the 15-day DL or 10-day DL, I think... I think we need to really, though, be be cognizant of the fact that this sport, as much as I love this sport, has to be aware that they do have to do things about pace of play and about speed of game and about the fact that a manager waddling out to the mound, and that should change too, but coming out to the mound, you know, continually to make changes, bores fans in 2019 to death. And that's a problem. That's I was when I first heard the second base rule in extras, I was vehemently opposed. I thought this is the stupidest thing of all time. And then boys, I started to sit through some games that went a long time and I thought to myself, you know yeah. what? There ain't no way a twenty five year old's doing this. Yeah. So so I I think I think I am in, in lockstep in, in some ways on the fact that these rules offend me as a baseball fan. 
But then as a fan who wants the sport to continue to thrive and succeed, I also realize that you have a lot of people that are basically just tuning out. And, and that, that I, scares me. I want it to thrive and succeed, but I also want it to be the game that I recognize and love. And when you when you do things like universal DH or when you do things like a three three batter minimum rule for, for relief pitchers, you're taking the strategy out of the game, which to me is what makes the game interesting. And I, I know that not, not everybody is like me. I'm just telling you from my own personal pleasure and, and from an entertainment standpoint for myself, one of the things I love about watching bas- baseball is sitting there and playing the chess match with the manager and would I make that pitching change or would I, would I go with that switch hitter? And rules like we're talking about here take that they, to a large degree. They don't take it out entirely, but to a large degree, they take a lot of that element out of the game. Here's the thing, like, just to, to wrap you know, last minute or two on this, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, decipher some of Rick Spielman's thoughts from the NFL Combine coming up. But baseball doesn't have enough peak moments of interest. Baseball drones on and on and on. And if you th- that's why I love the one game wild card because it's one of the only times where it's like I got to see this. This is something this is a game 7. And yes, it's manufactured, but baseball needs more of that. In the NBA, you know, you get you get all kinds of because they have so many superstars and storylines and rumors and things that come out. And baseball has none of that. Their big free agents don't even sign for like Bryce Harper is not even on a team right now. And so one of the things I really like the best that that you brought up among these possible changes is get rid of the the waiver and non waiver deadline thing. Mm-hmm. Like just create a damn trade deadline and have some urgency when? and have it be the trade deadline. Yeah, when? I would when? actually I'd push it back. To, like toward the end of the year, or I push it back to the end of August. Yeah, yeah. Instead, right now they're saying one deadline, and it'll be July thirty first. I think there are still teams who, at that point, are trying to figure out which way which way they're gonna they're gonna end up tipping. Where they're saying they're going, are we buyers? Are we sellers? And why stop them? Exactly. And I think I think it makes it. I think the the more activity and and then, and the more ramp up time you can have to a trade deadline, the better it is for a sport. We see that with the NBA. We see that with the NFL. I think making the trade deadline earlier is going to scare more teams into inaction rather than forcing teams to action. Yeah, uh, you can follow us along live uh, during the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show on Twitch TV slash Score North. It's been fun interacting with some of you guys in the comment section and uh, even even throwing some of this stuff out on our show. So we're, we're interactive, and we appreciate your comments. You can also call the show at 651-646-8255. Uh, what did Rick Spielman, what didn't Rick Spielman say? That's yeah, it's exactly. the game we're going to play when we come back here. But right now it's lights out at Luther, meaning if you have any sort of mysterious light on in your vehicle, any sort of uh, little exclamation point, you're wondering, what the hell is that light on for? Is my car, just, are the tires just going to fall off? Am I incompetent? Am I going to get arrested? Do I not know what's going on with my car? Is my wife going to leave me? What does that exclamation point mean? Well, Why is Zim in trouble? <laughs> is Zim on the hot seat? <laughs> is that what that exclamation point means? Well, if you take your car into Luther Brookdale Toyota, they'll turn that light off, tell you what it means, and give you a free no-obligation estimate on repair. It's the best service department in the Twin Cities. It's a place that I've been going to since I turned 16. So about half my life or so. And it's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Tell them Phil Mackey sent you. It's Mackey and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.